morning. Uh, this is part two of a message that um, I haven't sp- preached part one yet. So you have to come back to hear part one. So uh, you might hear that next week, but uh, you'll have to come here to find out. But a long time ago, I went through a, a rough patch in life, a rough, a rough patch in ministry, all around a, lo- a rough patch in life. And a friend uh, at the time, he was a pastor and a, a friend of mine, and he said these words to me. He said, you're either going to make this a gravestone or a stepping stone in your life. And uh, maybe you've heard that before, but I hadn't heard that before. And I took his advice at that time and stepped over that time, stepped over that issue in my life. And uh, here today, um, still doing what I'm doing. But that time was like being in a desert. To me, it felt so unproductive. It felt dry. I felt isolated. Uh, I just felt like everything was against me. Uh, like friends I thought I had weren't my friends anymore. Uh, people who you thought you could trust you know, weren't trustworthy. Um, all things like that. People said things about me, probably true, maybe sometimes not true, but it was a dry and isolating experience. So the message that I have for you this morning is victory in the desert. So if you are with us this morning uh, for the first time, our theme this year is victory. And uh, we're believing for God to intervene in every part of our life and bring us victory. And while I'm on that, I just want to um, say that I believe the church has a vital part to play in the world. I believe the church has something to say. I think the church has something to bring. And uh, the enemy wants to try and suppress the voice of the church. Now, if you're in this church and you think, well, what can I do to uh, make my life effective? Find your place in the church. Find the place where you belong and start to um, give yourself to that. Start to, to, to serve and give and love the house of God. And that is the best thing that you can do to um, bring God's kingdom into the world today. So life doesn't always deliver. Life doesn't always deliver flowers and chocolate. You know, you ever had uh, things that happen... In life, sometimes we just get delivered the toilet paper. Right now, that would make you a millionaire, make you a very, very popular person. But we face times in the desert, I'm going to use that term to describe distress, unrest, or trouble. Is, is, I'm, I'm going to use that word today, desert, to describe that. So I want to be really practical on the subject of trouble. So we can live in, in victory and step out and onto the other side of our troubles. So I know this may not be a really great subject to talk about, but who's ever been through trouble? There's all kinds of trouble that that we can be uh, confronted with. In John chapter 16, verse 33, it says this. In the new... um, What is it? In the NIV. It says, In this world you will have trouble. Now this is Jesus speaking. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart... I have overcome the world. Now, depending on the way you're wired, uh, you may skew that, that scripture and the only thing that you see is you will have trouble. And I think that's a, uh, that is a, a bit of an extreme distortion of that verse. And so you think, well, the Bible says you will have trouble, so you know, I'm always living in trouble. The car breaks down, the dog bites me, um, you know, I, I keep losing my job. Uh, but then Jesus said we will have trouble. But then we... we omit or, or bypass the second part of it, but take heart, I have overcome 
the world. That's the part that Jesus wants us to understand and grasp hold of today is that he has overcome your troubles. So Jesus wants you to live your best life. And I want you to live your best life. We're all here together at One Heart Church because we want to share the best life together. So what Jesus said uh, in that second part of that scripture is saying, hey, he will carry, he will take those troubles and he can overcome them on our behalf. So, so far today, we're going to relate trouble to the desert. It's like an experience. I'm just going to use that metaphor to describe trouble. So when I'm talking about desert today, you just apply that to your situations, your troubles, and hopefully um, it will all make sense. So those times of trouble you feel, when, when you may feel troubled, uh, upset, disconnected, dry, isolated, um, you don't feel fruitful, you don't feel blessed, they're the desert kind of experiences that I'm, I'm describing to you today. So... The books of Exodus to Deuteronomy in, in the Bible are like a chronology of trouble for the people of Israel. If you've read those, those stories, read those books of the Bible, you'll see that the people of Israel um, uh, stepped into trouble. They were already in trouble because they were slaves in Egypt. God came and spoke to Moses and said, well, I want you to lead these slaves out of Egypt. I'm going to bring them into a, a better place, a, a, a place of promise, a new land where they're going to be free. But in the meantime, they go through this wilderness, this desert, this trouble season of life. And these people of Israel, they made lots of mistakes. They lived in a bad place, a place of trouble, and they made it worse on themselves. But that desert is significant, it has a significant meaning in the Word of God, or desert does. If we look into it, and, and uh, the Bible is, is, is not like a historical book that just tells us things that happened in the olden days. It gives us a reference point to be able to you know, navigate our way through life's challenges and troubles using the Word of God as wisdom. So people in the Bible, David, we, if, you, if you've been in church a long time, you know who David was, he became a king. David... When he was in trouble, he ran for his life from King Saul into the desert or into the wilderness. Jesus, he fasted and he was tempted by Satan in the desert. Jacob became Israel when God changed his name through trouble and struggle in the desert. Moses was called by God at the burning bush in the desert. So victory over trouble Victory over our troubles can be found through Jesus in our desert times. In your trouble times is when Jesus wants to turn up and Jesus wants to, to show himself more powerful. So I, I want to challenge you and encourage you and um, exhort you this morning that whatever the trouble is that you have been through or you're going through or is going to face you in the future, you need to say, well, Jesus, will you take me through? And the great word there is through. So... Be strengthened with, those, with these thoughts this morning and you will find that you'll see God's victories in your desert times. So there are things to learn through, uh, through your trouble. There are things to learn through your desert times. There's three things that I'm going to look at this morning. They're not the only things, but if we just pop them up. Three lessons through trouble, through our desert times. There is purification takes place. There is protection and there is provision that all come from God that we don't see unless we've been through the desert. 
So I want to encourage you today, don't think that God has abandoned you, that God doesn't love you, or that uh, somehow there's this conspiracy against your life if, if you have experienced trouble. So the first key, purification. So I'm, I'm going to try and keep this as sanitized as possible. But what happens in the desert stays in the desert. So... This represents those times we end up in a desert place. We end up where we don't want to be because it's our fault. Trouble that is self-inflicted. Who's ever had a dose of that? I know it's, I've been there plenty of times. It's maybe a miscalculation, a mistake or a bad action on our part. Words that we spoke um, that were, were, were angry or in, out of frustration. So I'm going to read you something in the, in the um, King James Version of the Bible. I, I'm getting new glasses. These ones are all a bit scratchy. The other pair, my good pair, I ran over with a lawnmower the other week. So I've, I've got my spares. And the others haven't come yet, so they're all a bit foggy and scratchy, but they're better than nothing. Deuteronomy 23, verse 13. In the King James Version, for those who love the King James, give me a hoy. If you understand it, you're a better man than me. And thou shalt have a paddle upon thy weapon, and it shall be when thou wilt ease thyself abroad... Thou shalt dig therewith and shalt turn back and cover that which cometh from thee. You understand that? What it means. Deuteronomy 23.13. Now I have sanitized this version again. This is from the, the NIV again. As part of your equipment, have something to dig with. Have a shovel. And when you relieve yourself, ask your mum what that's all about. Dig a hole and cover it up. And I've left out the last little bit because it's a little bit too our rate of church. Application. We, we use the term sometimes about people saying, oh, they've got a stinky attitude. Or we might say, well, I had a bit of a stinky attitude, so you know, I know I was, I was a bit wrong in that. So about what happens in the desert stays in the desert in these times of our life and our troubled times. There's two little points I want you to think of. Some things need to be buried while you're still in the desert. Some things happen. There's a saying, something happens. But, yeah, obviously not, none of you live in the world that I live in. But some things happen in the desert that, that need to stay in the desert, that you don't need to carry along with you, that you don't take, you don't take to work with you, that you don't take to school with you, you leave them behind. The second part is bury it and move on. And, and a lot of the times these are self-inflicted, things that we have done ourselves, that we, have, that we have brought upon ourselves. Bury it and move on. So buried means you don't revisit it and others can't either. So when you bury something, no longer, you, know, you don't go back. You know, and we're talking about things that are, that are mistakes and problems and issues and troubles that we don't need to build a memorial to. You know, there's some people who build memorials to the troubles that they've been through and, and every time you talk to them, they're like they're building a shrine again. They're going back to that place again. And, 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 and it's not covered up, it's still there, flies buzzing around. It's not very pretty. So what, what I'm talking about this, some people know what I'm talking about. Some, the rest of you are saying, bury it and move on. Now, what I'm talking about here, it's not denial or covering things up in our life as a, a way of dealing with stuff. Some people think, well, I'll just deal with it. I'll just deny it. I'll just, I'll just cover it up and walk away, pretend there's nothing here. 
But it's, it's not that. It's dealing with life issues in a godly, healthy way. And I love what Con was talking about this morning in communion. Is there's, there's whole churches sometimes you never deal with things in a wholesome, godly way. And so there's all kinds of fractures and divisions and problems in the church. And so the church limps along, dragging one leg with a hunchback, looking ugly that can't attract anything to it because we're all divided and separated because we didn't learn how to deal with things in the wilderness, in the desert seasons of our life, bury them and move on. So we, we, we keep you know, rehashing them, re-igniting re, uh, the hurt or the pain or whatever it is. So don't deny things, don't just cover it up it, it, without dealing with life issues. Deal with things in a godly, healthy way. So living in victory, we have to learn to use a shovel and use it often. So we need to learn to use a shovel in our marriage. We need to use a shovel with our children. We need to use a shovel in our workplace so that when, when we have something, we have to own it and we have to say, yes, I'm going to deal with this properly and now I'm going to bury it and I'm going to move on. Did that make sense? Well, that's, oh, that's the worst part. So now we go good. That was, the, that, was the, that was the yucky part. The second thing we see is we get protection in our desert from God. Um, because you find out in the desert who your friends really are. So David, a character in the Bible that we, we read about, he had done nothing wrong except get employed by an insecure, jealous king. That's the only thing he, he did wrong is he, he, uh, he got noticed by King Saul who said, well, come and, you know, come and join my staff. And like everything went against him from that point on including King Saul, mainly trying to kill him. So this represents those times when you haven't done anything wrong, but your problem keeps chasing you. Have you ever felt that feeling? Well, actually, I didn't, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't make a mistake. I was just doing what I was supposed to do, yet somehow I've been dragged into someone else's insecurity and they keep coming after me. So persecution is a word that we would use here. It's a, a Christianese word. We sort of wouldn't use that all that often in, in general conversation, but it's a, this word that describes being unfairly treated, often. So it's when people go after you, and when you distance yourself, no matter where you go, they're still there. So King David thought, or he wasn't king yet, David thought, well, I've got to get out of here because this guy's going to kill me. I've got to separate myself, and in his separation, he finds himself on the, in the backside of the desert. But guess what? Saul keeps coming after him. The king keeps tracking him down, keeps wanting to find him because he wants to kill him. So perhaps there's some people here today and you feel a bit like that and you just want to get some peace. You just want to get away from, from the constant harassment. In 1 Samuel 22 verse 24, David moved further into the wilderness, but Saul kept after him. Saul just kept coming after him. So we see um, in many other scriptures, 1 Samuel 22, um, verses 1 and 2, uh, while David's on this run, when he's on, on his uh, escape plan from Saul, uh, also in 1 Samuel 23, verse 13 and 14, the first scripture I read there, it says that David had 400 men. Then the next scripture, it says he had 600 men. Now he's on the run. He's a fugitive. He's got, the king is, has put a bounty on his head. Now, in 1 Chronicles 12, it tells us all about the men that joined David, the people who joined him when he was being hunted unfairly by Saul. 
And it says in verse 18, 1 Chronicles 22, 18, it describes them as mighty men and they declare loyalty by saying, we are yours, David, we are on your side. See, it was in David's desert, in his troubled time, that he found out who his friends really were. And sometimes we have to go through, I'm not saying that God sets it up, I'm not saying that God's the author of these things. Life just has a way of producing this stuff around us because we've got to appropriate what the enemy brings and what God brings. And I don't think that, that God brings these things on us, but we've got to realize there is an enemy who wants to ruin and destroy everything good in life. But it's through those times and those seasons that you can find yourself in a place of isolation, disconnection, and yet here David is a crowd of men come around to support him. In the desert, you find out who your friends really are. I also just want to use that, that point there, is that you find protection from God in the desert. So David could have stayed in the city, could have stayed in Jerusalem, could have stayed uh, close by anywhere in Judah, and he would have been killed by Saul. So what he did is he distanced himself and he found the protection was in the desert. Now, we don't, we don't look for those times. We don't want to go there. But sometimes those times of isolation, those times of separation, um, gather the people around us that we need around us and keep us safe from the souls who want to murder us, who want to destroy our destiny, who want to take away the call and the purpose of God off our life. And that's why church, again, is so really vitally important because we want to surround ourselves with people who have the same goal. I want us to be a church of one heart. I want us to be a church that, that, that enables one another, that strengthens one another, that motivates one another for the call and purpose that God has. That's a good place. That's a great place to be. The third one is we see provision in the desert. We have to rely on God. When every other support is gone, we have to rely on God. So we don't choose the desert, I said that. We don't choose those roads or want to stay there for very long. But it's in trouble where we have no choice but to rely upon God. The people of Israel were fed manna in the wilderness from a supernatural source from God. They were in the wilderness, they were in the desert. The only, the only supply they had was what God brought them and they called that manna. But when you're at the desert place, where, when you're in that desert place in life, when there are no other options... It's time to rely on God. And there's so many other backstops that we might choose to rely upon. Sometimes we might think, well, I'll work harder. So I'm going to try and, and, and earn my way out of trouble. Sometimes it might be we'll appease other people. We'll just roll over and just say, well, you know, I'm just going to try harder and keep everybody happy. There's all different mechanisms that we use in life to try and um, get ourselves through sometimes. But we have to learn in the desert that we're relying upon God that we want his provision to be our supply. So it's in trouble that we have the choice to rely on God. So the people of Israel were fed manna. In the desert, we deal with our desires and our fussiness. Did you know what? When, when you've got nothing else to choose from, it, you suddenly don't have, you're not as fussy anymore. You're not as picky. There's no other options, but we have to rely on God. When we have lots of options, we can be fussy and indulge our desires. 
And sometimes God wants to uh, uh, help us in a way that we focus upon him and say, well, you know, I'm not going to be so fussy anymore. So we, we have fussiness about how we serve, what we do in the house of God, what gifts we're going to let God use, uh, what things we're going to do and what things we, we're not going to do. And so we'll say, well, God, that's okay. We'll keep you very controlled. We'll keep this very, very uh, sophisticated in my life right now. But, you know, uh, I've got lots of options and I'm going I'm to be fussy with what I indulge myself in. And sometimes going through a desert season of life, we, we have all those things stripped away and we find ourselves, well, I only have one option right now and that's to trust in God. It's, a, it's not a nice place to be, but God will lead us through these times and if we're smart, we'll, we'll turn our attention and our focus to trust more on God than any other thing. 1 Kings chapter 17, uh, verses 2 and 4, it says this, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. Now this is an interesting story here. Elijah's he's, he's a, a, an amazing prophet of God, incredible man of God. And God says to him, I want you to, to leave and go, uh, and go camping for an extended period. Let's go camping, Elijah. It sounds like a cool thing to do. And uh, it, it started like a nice camping trip. Nice, nice campsite by a stream, but it turned into a dust bowl in the drought. It says that the stream dried up. There's no more water anymore. But the other thing is, Elijah had no provisions out there except what the ravens brought him. Now, there's a few ideas I might have of where the ravens got the meat from. One is that they were scavenging roadkill. Or the other was there was some old lady on the other side of the ravine who used to feed them every day. Who knows? I don't know. We're not told that story. But there were no other options for Elijah but to eat what the crows delivered. And it kept him alive. It kept him alive. And sometimes you might be thinking, well, at the moment all life seems to be when it comes to the call and the purpose of God is just like I feel like I'm out someplace and I'm eating the scraps that other people have left over. You know, try being a missionary. You know, I talk to a lot of pastors and I tell you what, that's what, that's what they're served almost every week. They're living off the scraps of others. It's, it's not really a great place to be living for a long time. So you may not be loving the job you're in right now. Maybe you're in your own business. Maybe you're just working. You may be living in, on, on just getting by. You may not be where you think you ought to be right now. Maybe... You're at the place where God told you to go, like Elijah, but the, but the brook has dried up and the supply is no longer there. And sometimes we step into things thinking, well, this is cool, this is fun, this will be an adventure, I'm, I'm doing the plan of God. So Elijah, I don't think, really knew what was in store. God says, hey, go on a camping trip, get your tent, get, you know, get out there, out in the, out in the, uh, the, the nice like, brook. But he didn't realize that what was going to happen next was a famine was coming and it was going to be a very dry and desolate season in his life just like being in a desert so God doesn't forget who you are or where you are ever so I want you to remind yourself right now God doesn't forget who you are or where you are ever when you have the call of God you're called to a different destiny that is purified through your trouble that is purified through your desert if you'll turn your attention 
to Jesus in those times. So when you have the call of God, there's a victory of provision in the desert. Can I have those other three points right from the start back up there? I want us to look at them. There's, there's that purification takes place. There's the protection and you find out who your friends really are and there's the provision that comes from him. I'm just going to ask the musicians to come back and join me right now as we um, finish off this message. No one likes the desert experience. No one likes having to go through trouble in life. But we can be made stronger when we go through it with the right perspective and we go through it with Jesus. Make it a stepping stone, not a gravestone in your life. Purification in the desert, we need to bury it and move on. Protection in the desert, find out, what your, find out who your friends really are. So who's, who's with you in the call and the purpose of God? Find your provision in the desert. Because what that is, it's, it's in that provision time is preparation for your spiritual purpose. Because God wants us to trust in Him above all those other material things, all those other fallback things. I know when I was um, called back into the ministry to come back to pastor the church here, I was looking for a backstop, a fallback to thing. So I, I had a plan B. It was like, I'm not going to close all the doors behind me because I, I just need to, need to make sure that I, if something goes wrong, I have, a, I have a plan. And you know what? I had to let all those things go. Went through a wilderness time, went through a desert time, went through some trouble internally as I, I had to let my, my provision come from God alone.